CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. We're back talking some more CFL football here today. Except, well, I'm all alone this time. Um, as you know, Mike is on vacation. Uh, we managed to get him in here for our Week 3 recap episode still. Uh, that is out on all of our podcast feeds already, but we figured we'd give them at least one episode off this week. Uh, so it's just me here for what's going to be a bit of a shorter episode for our week four preview. Uh, later on in this episode, I will be joined by Brian Warishan of the BC Lions Den podcast to uh, go a little in-depth preview of the Lions versus the Bombers on Saturday at Investors Group Field. Uh, but before then, I will quickly go through each of the games this week, talk about the keys of the game for each team, the fantasy players to watch for, and all of that fun stuff. The Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Make sure you check out all of the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Before we begin taking a look at week four, let's take a look back to last week in terms of CFL Pick'em and CFL Fantasy. Uh, in terms of CFL Pick'em, uh, Mike and I both went, uh, or sorry, I went two and two last week and Mike went three and one. We both picked the Stampeders correctly over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, both picked the Ticats to beat the Bombers, which they did. I picked the BC Lions and was expecting a little more from them over the Eskimos, and Mike, to his credit, picked the Eskimos to win that one, as did a lot of people. So Mike gets that one right, I got that one wrong, and then, uh, uh, like pretty much everyone, I imagine, uh, we picked the Riders to beat the Alouettes, and, well, we were in the first prize there, as the Alouettes finally won a football game, folks after a 13-game losing streak. So a 2-2 two two week for myself, a 3-1 week for Mr. Michael Garrell. Uh, looking at the CFL on TSN Fantasy this past week, another solid week, 114.1 points for myself, uh, led due to great performances by Duke Williams, who picked up 28.9 points, Greg Allingson with 21.7 points, uh, Chris Strebler, 17.3, as well as Andrew Harris, who had the same. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson was 16.8. The Riders' defense putting up 9 points. And then Brian Burnham putting up just a small amount of 3.1 point performance for me this past week. Uh, so let's get into our Week 4 matchups here. Uh, the first of which is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The big question mark in this game, really, as of right now, early in the week, is will Deron Carter be playing defensive back? For all intents and purposes, it looked like he was going to be again, despite the great struggles against the Montreal Alouettes uh, this past week. But the, the Riders, it looks like, have brought in a new defensive back on Monday. Uh, defensive back Matt 
Elam, a first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens in the 2013 NFL Draft, signed by Saskatchewan, so maybe he gets into the lineup and will be playing defensive back, and uh, they can get Deron Carter back on offense this week. Ticats come into this game at a 2-1 record, while the Riders come in at a 1-2 record. Um, Ticats have looked really strong defensively so far this season, shutting down, I'd say, fairly well the, the Stampeders, the Eskimos, and the Bombers' offenses so far. So Saskatchewan has had some offensive struggles the last two games in their two losses. Uh, Brandon Bridge will be getting the start at quarterback for them. Keys of the game for the Riders, it's that that offensive line has got to has got to hold off Hamilton's defense because this Hamilton defense, as I said, is really good, uh, and we'll get to quarterback. And uh, if they can get into Brandon Bridge's head, he's going to have a tough night here. So we need to see some improved play from that Saskatchewan offensive line. Give Brandon Bridge a little more time. You know he likes to use his feet. That can open up some things for him. Uh, but if he doesn't have a chance to even get out of the pocket. There's not much he can do with that. So that's the key for the Riders here, I would say, is offensively, uh, you you, you got to step up offensive line and, uh, and, and open more time up for Brandon Bridge back there. On the defensive side of the ball, I would say, would be, you know, if Deron Carter's at defensive back, look for the Ticats to try to exploit that. So they got to do something, whether it's put this new guy in, uh, whether it's shuffle things around, they got to try to find some way to not let the Ticats do that because you got Jeremiah Mazzoli and Brandon Banks that love to hook up for the deep ball, and you know they're going to try to do that uh, all night long, and uh, they're often pretty successful with that. So, key to the game for the Ticats, I think the major key uh, on special teams is shut down Christian Jones. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, sparked the Riders a little bit there late in the game against Montreal. Looked like they might come back and win that one. Uh, and he's a guy that's known to be able to spark his team and blow a game wide open. He did that a couple of times last year. Think about a game against the Red Blacks where they were down, I think it was 17 nothing until he broke one loose for a touchdown. And, of course, that Eastern final with the Toronto Argonauts the, back in November where he gave them the lead with three minutes left in the game. Now we know that they can't, they didn't go on to win that one, but Christian Jones is an explosive returner. Ticats are going to need to shut him down. Um, offensively, I, I, I think it's just you play the deep ball. You keep shoving that deep ball down the field. The Riders have given up a couple of deep, place so far this season and that's something that uh, Hamilton does very well in terms of fantasy players to watch for if I'm on the Hamilton side of the ball I'll take Jeremiah Mazzoli as a very good quarterback option here he comes in at a $9,835 salary second to only Mike Riley but he has arguably been the CFL's best quarterback three weeks into the season so far so this is a guy that is going to, you know, pick up yards through the air and pick up yards on the ground, um, and he's having a heck of a season so far. Currently tied for the CFL all-time lead uh, in consecutive 300-yard passing games with eight, and I'm expecting him to break that record against the Riders this week. Um, at the running back position, well, Mercer Timmis does have four touchdowns in his last two games, but did uh, surprisingly didn't get the bulk of the carries this past week. It was Sean Thomas Erlington who got the bulk of them, so maybe we see a dual back system between those two, and we'll see who gets the bulk of the carries here. Both come in at $3,000 salaries. 
if there's one guy for the Ticats, you got to put in your lineup this week. As I mentioned already, it's Brandon Banks. Banks, uh, depending who he's lining up against on that defense, they're going to go to him over and over and over again. You know he's going to at least break out one long touchdown catch in this game. That's going to rack you up the points pretty quick. So he's not cheap. He's the highest-priced receiver at $8,211. But uh, Brandon Banks, to me, is a must-start in your lineup this week. For the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, do you take a chance on Brandon Bridge again this game? I certainly wouldn't, uh, just based on how good Hamilton's defense has been. Uh, the running back situation, I don't know who gets the ball exactly the bulk of it for the Riders because you got Messam, who did not get any touches this past week. You got Thigpen, and you got Trey Mason. So how do those split up? That kind of affects your fantasy picks there. Maybe you go for Marcus Thigpen because he, he looked like he had a pretty good game, uh, all things considered, for the Riders this past week, or uh, a decent performance, I should say. A uh, couple drop passes, a little deep, a couple overthrown, maybe he picks up a lot more yards against the Alouettes there. But uh, at the wide receiver position, you can never go wrong with Naaman Roosevelt. If they're going to hook up with any wide receiver, it's going to be Naaman Roosevelt. He's their go-to guy, and especially if Duran is on defense, it's Naaman Roosevelt is the first guy that Bridge is going to look to. That being said, Caleb Hawley presents possibly a bit of a cheaper option and a guy who seems to be utilized a decent amount in the Saskatchewan offense here. So those are the fantasy guys to watch for between the Ticats and the Riders. In terms of our pick this week, both of Mike and I are going Ticats. Uh, question marks, offensive line, what Brandon Bridge is going to do, who's playing defensive back for the Riders this week, and Hamilton is having a very strong start to the season. So both of us are taking the Ticats to win the first game of the week. Second game of week four in the CFL has Montreal Alouettes fresh off of a win finally hosting the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, who come off a loss to the Calgary Stampeders. Big question coming into this game on everyone's minds I think is can Montreal make it two in a row? Uh, they snapped the 13 game losing streak this week against the Riders and now the question becomes can they build some momentum off of that one as they face the Red Blacks on Friday? Um... You know, Montreal, early, I, I, I kind of said early on uh, in that first game against the BC Lions where they were close into that, close in that game for quite a bit of it, um, you get the feeling after such a long losing streak that just one win would do such amazing things for a team to rejuvenate them. So maybe the Owlets come in and surprise us here against the Red Blacks and are able to pull off two straight. Uh, for Ottawa, they looked great in their win over the Riders in Week 2. Uh, very sloppy game this past week against the Stampeders, in which you know some of the receivers just, while they made some plays, they couldn't hang on to the ball a lot of times. Trevor Harris was not getting a lot of help with that uh, in that regard. A couple catches that need to be made were just not. Then again, that was kind of the thing throughout the entire CFL the, this past week. Uh, keys of the game for the Alouettes, uh, well, I think it's certainly just do whatever you can to get some momentum going early here. Their strongest play this year, offensively, has come from forcing that deep ball. We saw Chris Williams with a couple monster catches and a deep touchdown ball, and he burned Ron Carter this past week. 
Uh, don't know yet at this point. I know Drew Willie left the past game uh, with a head or a neck injury, I believe. Uh, will he be ready to start come Friday, or will we be seeing Jeff Matthews, or maybe even Vernon Adams with the start? But uh, I, I think definitely whoever it is, try a couple of those deep balls because they just open up things so well for your offense there. Uh, for the Red Blacks, key of the game, I would say, would be to keep using William Powell the way they've been using him. Uh, Powell has had a tremendous start to the year so far for the Red Blacks. Had a big game against Calgary, despite some offensive struggles in a lot of that game. Uh, if you can use Powell and really run down that clock and put points on the board early in this game uh, and get ahead of the Alouettes, that basically takes out any use of Terrell Sutton in that Montreal offense, uh, and they become a one-dimensional team there. If you start running the clock down and get ahead a couple of scores here, that you'd start forcing them into the passing game, which has been their weak point, um, you know, with the with the play off the offensive line there. So I, those are the keys of the game for both of these clubs in terms of fantasy players to watch for. Let's start with Montreal. I think Chris Williams has to be the guy you watch for here. Uh, three catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown against the Riders. Uh, he had a pretty solid game week one against uh, the BC Lions. Uh, had a long catch there. You end up fumbling that in the end zone. Eugene Lewis picked it up for the score. So he didn't get the touchdown on that. But uh, And he looked, uh, well, as far as, you know, looking good for the Owlets in that uh, 56-10 loss to the Bombers. He had a pretty solid game there as well. So I think Chris Williams is the guy you got to look if you're going to take any Alouettes this week. And maybe, just maybe, you, you think about taking their defense. They forced three interceptions against Saskatchewan this week. I think they may have had a fumble in there as well. I probably wouldn't look at the Alouettes defense just yet because um, we are only one week removed from that 56-10 loss to the Bombers. But they are at a $3,200 salary, so maybe if you that's all you can fit in, maybe you go with the Alouettes. Uh, it's between them, the Argos, or the Lions. They're all at $3,200. For the Red Blacks, Greg Allingson is always going to be a guy that's going to get a lot of catches. He's going to be a guy that can open things up and make big plays. So if you can afford him and his $7,419 salary, I would say Greg Ellingson is a guy you need to pick. Uh, Deontay Spencer is another one. I mean, take your pick between these two guys. It looks like Deontay Spencer, the big thing about him is he's picking up the return yards as well. So he's getting some yards, uh, he's getting the yards through the air and he's also getting some yards on a return. And, uh, boy, is he one of the best return guys in the league when he, when he is on. So, uh, Deontay Spencer is another great look there. The guy, of course, I'm most looking to was also my key of the game for the Red Blacks. And that's Powell. That's William Powell. He is the most expensive running back in the league at a whopping $8,289. Almost uh, almost about 1500 more than James Wilder, who's number two. But again, this is another case. Can you fit them in your lineup? Because all of these guys are going to be big point producers this week for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Getting into our picks for this week, uh, Mike and I go the same on this one again. We're taking Ottawa. You know, I really want to pick Montreal uh, after they won their first game of the season this past week and the first game in a long time. Uh, I think this could be a close game here. 
but I just see Ottawa bouncing back. You know, they 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 still played a pretty tight game and they played a pretty strong defensive game against the Stampeders for the most part of the matchup this past week. And I'm expecting a better offensive performance from the team, fewer dropped balls from them. I'm taking the Red Blacks to win this one, just as Mike did. The third game of the week has the Edmonton Eskimos in Toronto facing the Argos. Uh, Edmonton coming off of a win over the BC Lions. A uh, good bounce back week for them this past week. And the Argos coming off a bye week here. 0-2 uh, to start the season for the Argos. And of course, very, very, very unfortunately, without the services of Ricky Ray for what looks like the rest of the season due to a terrible neck injury that was really a heartbreaking thing to watch. And as we say every week, uh, we wish nothing but the best to Ricky Ray in his recovery from that. But this is James Franklin's team now for the rest of the season. He takes over the starting job. He was announced as the starter for this Saturday's game. And uh, what a way to make your first start here against the against your former club, the Edmonton Eskimos, coming to town. So interested to see how that storyline all plays out here uh, between these two teams. The Argos, man, they... They need to get things going. They did not look good in those first two games. Uh, very surprised by this start to the season from Toronto because flashback to our season preview show. I had them finishing first in the East Division. I had them as my Grey Cup champions coming into this year. Uh, repeat Grey Cup champions, I should say. Right now, it doesn't look like they're anywhere near that. That being said, it's only they've only played two games so far, so maybe they get a bounce back week here against an Edmonton team that I think has some you know holes they could exploit here a little bit. Uh, keys of the game for both of these clubs: Toronto, James Wilder. Many expected another massive year from him after he came and took over about middle of the year last year and ended up becoming the CFL's rookie of the year. Uh, he only has 15 carries through two weeks or through two games so far this year and only 76 yards rushing combined from the two games. So against an Edmonton defense that is known to give up a lot of yards to the run, I think you look at James Wilder as he, the key of the game is give him the ball because not only is that a great matchup for them, it also takes a lot of pressure off of James Franklin, who's... Maybe he got a bit of nerves here facing his former club in his first start. Uh, I believe it's his first start. Certainly his first start of this year. Uh, question is, did he start previous games with the uh, with the Edmonton Eskimos? I don't quite remember that. I know he came in in relief a couple times. Might have started late, late in the season there. Um, that's the key of the game, really, is get James Wilder going on offense for Toronto. Uh, for Edmonton's offense, I'm going to say keep doing what you did this past week, and that's use C.J. Gable, uh, because we saw, you know, Gable got going early in that game. They allowed them to open up so many things for their offense, and uh, Duke Williams is a guy that seems to be able to make these circus deep ball catches week in and week out. You got Darrell Walker, you got Kenny Stafford, who's pr producing quite a bit in the lineup. Maybe we finally see Bryant Mitchell get into the lineup this week. Uh, if you can get that run game going for Edmonton, it opens up quite a bit uh, for all these amazing weapons you have for the best quarterback in the CFL, Mike Riley. 
But the big question mark and the big key of the game here for me is defense for the Eskimos because that is, I would say, their weak point. Uh, they didn't have too bad of a game against BC this past week, held them to 22 points. But I think Edmonton really needs to uh, make sure to shut things down defensively, uh, especially the run game, especially James Wilder, because th they could be in for a long night if he gets going early in this one. Fantasy players to watch for for both sides. Uh, let's let's go to Edmonton first and start there. Mike Riley is your number one uh, priced quarterback again this week at fourteen thousand uh, dollars. A lot more than the next best, Jeremiah Mazzoli, who you know it's about a four thousand two hundred dollar difference. Uh, so Mike, but Mike Riley is always going to put up at least twenty points for you. That seems to almost be a given. Uh, you run with his running, his passing abilities. Um, if you have room in your lineup, you know, maybe you take that surefire pick from Mike Riley if you have sleeper options available at other positions, which so far this year, there seems to be a, quite a few good sleeper options. So, uh, certainly Mike Riley's a guy you might want to take a chance on this week. CJ Gable had a slow start to the season in the first two games, but then came to life with a monster performance, uh, this past week against the BC Lions. Uh, 165 yards on 23 carries and pitched in a touchdown. 22.5 fantasy points in that one uh, for for C.J. Gable. So uh, he is one of the higher-priced running backs, but certainly, you know, the Argos' defense hasn't looked great this year, so maybe you take C.J. Gable there. You could really recommend anyone in Edmonton's offense because you know they're always going to produce, and really... Uh, you know, again this week, the main guy I'm looking at, well, he's uh, actually got a, quite a bump in salary here. Uh, he was $3,700 last week. He's now almost at 5000 and that's Duke Williams. He's one of the premier targets in Edmonton's offense. Uh, he'll get the ball thrown his way, generally a deep ball thrown his way quite often uh, by Mike Riley. They love that play. And he seems to be able to come up with the big plays and the big catches. So Duke Williams is a guy I'm really looking at in Edmonton's offense. Uh, and maybe Kenny Stafford if you're looking for that value play. You know, in that game against BC in that first half when they were trying to get things going offensively, it was Riley to Stafford, Riley to Stafford, Riley to Stafford, Riley to Stafford over and over again. Throw in a couple C.J. Gable runs in there in the middle, but... That really was the case. It was those. It, it was Stafford in that first half, and he's had a pretty strong start to the year here for the Eskimos with 196 receiving yards so far through three games, uh, over 50 in each of them. So maybe he's a guy you look at there. The Argos side of the ball, well, you could go and take your chance here if you want on a cheaper quarterback option in James Franklin. He's $6,000. And he will be starting against Edmonton. And if what we've seen of his potential from the last, you know, the bits and pieces we've seen from him the last couple of years, he could have a huge game here at that $6,000 salary. And perhaps that's something to take a look at here. Um, comparing him to other quarterbacks, you know, and we'll get into Chris Strebler here, who's at $6,983, I would perhaps still like that choice a little better at this point, but maybe James Franklin. But uh, again, you know, the question always becomes, can you fit these guys in your lineup? James Wilder Jr., I'm expecting a huge game against Edmonton this week at that $6,782 salary. 
I, I would find a way to get James Wilder in my lineup for the Argos uh, in terms of fantasy football here. Who are we picking to win this game, Edmonton or Toronto? Mike and I stayed consistent again in this one. Uh, he is taking the Edmonton Eskimos, and so am I. I I'm hoping, you know, to see some good things from Franklin as he starts this game for Toronto and see a bit of a more sound defensive performance from them uh, and all around, but... I just love that Edmonton offense, and I think that offense, well, to Hamilton's credit in Week 2, they were able to do so. I think it's it, you're going to find a hard time shutting down Edmonton's offense, uh, and I don't think the Argos can do it this week. So I, we are both taking Edmonton to win this football game. And then the final game of Week 4 in the CFL has the BC Lions coming to Winnipeg to face the Bombers at Investors Group Field 730 Central. On Saturday, these two teams will meet. Uh, we'll go in-depth on the preview for this one in a little bit here with Brian Warishan of the BC Lions Den podcast. Uh, that's coming up shortly. But first, quickly, I mean, storylines, these are two teams that always seem to play close games and very heated games, I should say, over the last couple of years. Uh, games that have been, you know, within a touchdown and a lot of drama late in them. Between these teams, it seems, uh, go back to that playoff game two years ago with the Bombers missing that 61-yard field goal and uh, a lot of drama in one, uh, at least one of their meetings last year. But uh, nonetheless, expecting a very close game here this week. Um, Winnipeg has a lot of former Lions on their team. You look at guys like Andrew Harris. Well, he's been out of the Lions, away from the Lions for a couple of years already. But Craig Rowe. Anthony Gator, who likely won't be in the lineup due to injury, as far as I'm aware. Uh, Chandler Fenner, and the big one, Adam Big Hill, making his playing his first game against his former club. Uh, so that's an interesting thing to watch here, as well as all these former Lions facing their former team here. Uh, keys of the game quickly for both these clubs. I think the Bombers' defense <laughs> needs to step up here a little bit and make sure you don't give up. Uh, the big plays and don't give up the big yardage. You know, against Hamilton this past week, it looked like it almost looked like Winnipeg was so scared of giving up the big play that they gave so much room to Hamilton's guys to catch the ball and make a play on it. And so they beat them with the short ball there. So you need to find a balance if you're the Bombers here because you're facing two of the top receivers in the game and Manny Arsenault and Brian Burnham who historically have torched the Bombers' defense. So that's the key of the game defensively, is really just find a mix between not giving the guy so much room but not exposing the deep ball. I don't know how they do that with the current scheme set up for them. Maybe if you can you know, get past that BC offensive line, get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, uh, Jonathan Jennings, early on, maybe that opens things up for you to... Uh, solidify that a little bit on defense for the bc lions i think offensively early in that game this past week against edmonton uh they forced the turnovers but i think there was a couple places where they maybe didn't capitalize on them so well and offensively it looked like jeremiah johnson was in for a huge game early on as they used him quite a bit they went away from that a little bit as the game went on there and i know it got 
uh, it got a little out of hand there in the second half, and then you stop running the ball a little bit. But I think uh, I think you got to use Johnson here. You got to get Jonathan Jennings to uh, you know try to force a couple of those deep balls because Bombers like to give up that big play. So uh, Manny Arsenal, Brian Burnham, these are two guys that can make some great catches. Um, so expect big uh, big usage from those two in BC's offense here. Fantasy players to watch for quickly before we get into our interview. The uh, the Bombers, well, Chris Strevor at a $6,910, I believe, dollar salary. $6,983, sorry. Uh, he still put up 17 points last week despite not having the best day. At that salary, I don't see any reason not to keep starting Chris Strevler until he really gets shut down here and who knows how many weeks it is till we see Matt Nichols back from injury, but for right now, it's Strebler's team, uh, and I think he'll be in for another great day against a BC defense that might not uh, might not be the most sound defense in the CFL. So Chris Strebler, Andrew Harris is a must-start every week at the running back position. He'll pick up yards on the ground, he'll pick up yards through the air, uh, and he's usually in for around a 20-point game, uh, certainly over 15 every week. So Andrew Harris... And Chris Strebler are kind of the two go-to guys if you're starting any Bombers this week, in my opinion. For the Lions, expect a bounce-back game from Brian Burnham. He only put up, as I mentioned off the top of the show, uh, just over three fantasy points this past week. Uh, He has big games against the Bombers always. He can make those big catches down the field. I would say Brian Burnham or Manny Arsenault, take your pick between those two guys because uh, they could be in for big days here. And with that as well, quarterback Jonathan Jennings at a $7,843 salary. You know, maybe you take Jonathan Jennings this week because the Bombers give up a lot of yards on defense. Before I get into our picks for this game between the Lions and the Bombers and then into our interview with Brian Warishan of the BC Lions 10 podcast, uh, Ryan from the future here with a bit of editing magic post-production update. Uh, we got a news update from Bomberland today that Matt Nichols has been taken off the six-game injured list. Uh, rumors rumors are here on Tuesday that he practiced uh, today, and uh, I believe Mitchell Gale has been put on the practice roster. So it looks like Matt Nichols could be returning to the Bombers lineup this week. We don't know if he'll be starting or whether it will be Chris Strevler starting at this point. But, uh, you, you know, we... I recorded the rest of this episode on Monday before we heard this. That's why you've heard me talk about Chris Strevler as a great fantasy option and as the starter in the keys of the game this week. Uh, And you'll hear a lot of talk about Chris Strevler in my interview with Brian from the BC Lions Den podcast to come yet. But uh, just a quick take on Matt Nichols possibly coming back this week. Uh, It's great to see him back from injury so early. Uh, you know, this is right at the four-week mark, basically. They said it would be four to six, and it looks like it was closer to four uh, weeks that he was out with his injury. I don't know if I want to start Matt Nichols this week, or if I want to go with Chris Strebler if I'm the Bombers. While, without a doubt, Matt Nichols is your number one quarterback, I look at this as you have a home-and-home series with the BC Lions. You know, it's so tough these home-and-homes always, how do you prepare between games? Maybe, just maybe, you know, part of it is you give Matt Nichols an extra week of rest here. 
if you go with Stravler this Saturday against the Lions, and uh, Stravler is a guy who can certainly hold his own in that regard. Uh, and then maybe you go back to Nichols next week, and now you have all of a sudden got the Lions in a case where, well, they've got a week between games with the same team, but they got to prepare for a different quarterback. So maybe that's an adjustment you make between these two games for the Bombers. That being said, then you have a bit of a conundrum if Strevler comes out and performs really well in this game. How do you go and uh, give it back to Nichols right the next week against the same club that Strevler just performed well against? That's a hard thing to balance there. I don't know what the right answer is in that case. Uh, I mean, let's get this clear. It's Matt Nichols' team. Uh, he will take over the starting job once he is healthy and ready here. It's a question of whether he comes back this week. Um, if he is ready now, as much as you know, I've been, I was saying there that you maybe give him one more week. Maybe after a, uh, you know, a bit of a down performance for Strevor, that's the right time to put Nichols back in before you, uh, before you get this conundrum on your hand of who do we put in next week. Um, hopefully, we get to see more from Chris Strevor in the future if his time as a starter is in doubt is in fact done here with Nichols coming back from injury. Uh, I don't mean that in the sense that hopefully Matt Nichols gets injured so Strebler can come back, because certainly that's not something anybody wants to see as Nichols go down again. But uh, a pretty strong start to the season for Chris Strebler. So uh, we'll see as the week goes along here who gets the starting job this week and what happens with the quarterback situation for the Bombers going forward. Now back to the uh, regularly scheduled programming with our picks of this game between the Lions and the Bombers. In terms of our picks, Mike's and mine, we're both, uh, as the other three games this week, we're going Bombers. We're taking Bombers over the BC Lions. I'm expecting a high-scoring game. I'm expecting a very close game between these two clubs. I just have the Bombers pulling this one out uh, late in the game for a, uh, a very... A very close game here, but the Bombers somehow pulling out the win. So I'll take Winnipeg with a bounce-back win this week at home over the Lions. And uh, Mike has told me he is doing the same. So, without further ado, let's get a little more in-depth with the matchups here between the Bombers and the Lions. Uh, to do so, I had the pleasure of speaking with Brian Warishan of the BC Lions Den podcast to preview this game a little more in depth here so without further ado let's get into my interview with brian from the bc lions Den podcast and now i'm pleased to be joined by our guest for our week four preview here on the canadian football countdown by the host of the bc lions Den podcast brian warish and welcome to the show brian thanks a lot thanks for having me yeah no problem always happy to talk with fellow members of the canadian football podcast network uh which we are now a part of um, talking CFL football here, and of course, with the Lions in town face the Bombers, you seemed like the best person to talk to about that. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, so before we get into the matchup between those two teams, we want to start off. I want to start off with talking about uh, the Lions thus far this season. What have you seen from them so far that you've liked and don't like? Well, I've seen a team that's kind of trying to find their identity right now. They've had a lot of new ch- new players come in over the off season and. Um, you know, they started off uh, with a win against Montreal, which was pretty much expected. You know, I think everyone expected them to win that game. But, um, you know, when, they, when they've got to start winning games in the West. And, and, you know, last week we saw the same same result that the Lions have seen against Western Division teams uh, over the last few years. And it's, it's costing them 
Uh, well, last year it cost them a playoff spot, and uh, previous years it's it's cost them p- playoff positioning. So um, they've got to start winning games against the West. And um, you know, I see this team with a, a new offensive coordinator and a and a bunch of new players that need to to gel. And I don't think that's going to happen over the first two games. I, I'm hoping that you'll you'll see a better performance. Uh, from the club this weekend in Winnipeg, uh, mostly because they got their their butts kicked last week, and and you know Wally Bono said it after the game that um, you know that we're going to find out what kind of team we have uh, when we play Winnipeg next week because there are a lot of veterans on this team. Um, you know they're they're a new group of players, but there's a lot of veterans. So um, you know what I haven't liked is is the fact that this defense uh, just can't seem to make stops. And, um, you know, especially in the secondary. I mean, the secondary is just brutal right now. And um, they didn't get a lot of help from the front seven last week. So um, defensively, I think, uh, is my biggest concern. Offensively, I think it's going to take time for this for this team to gel under new offensive coordinator, Jerry Jackson. Now, you mentioned the uh, the blowout loss there to the Eskimos this past week. It started off pretty well for the Lions. Uh, they come out to an 11 nothing lead there, forced two quick turnovers on defense. Where, where did things go wrong in that game? Because it looked like they had a great start. Well, I think momentum shifted when they challenged that pass interference call on Marcel Young. And, um, you know, I guess there's no rule in the Canadian Football League that the pass has to be catchable because the ball was thrown five yards out of bounds. So, um, you know, that that was a bit of a shocking call to me. Um, um, obviously, there was some contact uh, within the with outside the five-yard uh, area. But, um, like I say, that ball wasn't catchable. Now, after that, the, you know, the Eskimos kind of took the game over and, and went in and scored on that drive. And, um, you know, the running game kind of dried up for the for the Lions. And, and uh, you know, they were facing a lot of second and longs. And against that Eskimo team, uh, you just can't do that for the rest of the game. And that's what the Lions found themselves in. And when they did, uh, you know, make some plays to try and get themselves some better field position, they took penalties. So um, they just couldn't get the momentum back after that. And I think that was just a... Uh, I mean, that was the reason why uh, Edmonton steamrolled the rest of the way. Fair enough. Uh, what were your expectations for the team coming into this year? Because they missed the playoffs for the first time in a long time uh, last season. Certainly not a great season. Uh, they overhaul things a little bit on that offensive and defensive lines in the off season. What were you expecting to see from them this year? Well, you know, the, the, the CFL West is a really tough division, right? Yeah, right? Edmonton and Calgary are always there, I think. You know, Saskatchewan's got the talent on paper, but they don't seem to want to play their best players in their best positions. So, um, you know, who knows where they're going to end up. And Winnipeg, I think, is, uh, you know, going to be right there as well. You know, when Matt Nichols went down, you kind of thought, well, they're going to be in some trouble. But Chris Strebler stepped in and and uh, played very well for them. So, you know, coming into the season, I figured the Lions would be battling for fourth or fifth, maybe a crossover spot. So, um, you know, I think that's still my expectation. Um, you know, unless this offense can get going and the defense can sort out their problems, I, I really don't see them, um, you know, climbing any higher in the West than than what I thought they would be when the season started. Now the uh, the BC Lions come into Winnipeg this Saturday to face the Bombers. A lot of former Lions on the Bombers that came there this offseason. You, you know, Gator, who's likely out due to injury, I believe. Chandler Fenner, Craig Rowe, Adam Big Hill's the really big one there. What do you make of all of these Lions coming together to Winnipeg? And uh, from his time in BC, do you think Andrew Harris uh, was the major impact on that? Not necessarily. Ryan Rigmaiden was the the head scout for the BC Lions for uh, a few years here, and he he left the Lions in the off season to go to Winnipeg. So I think a lot of those guys were brought in uh, under his advice and. His, his advice and uh, you know those are guys that he recruited and, and brought into the Lions so 
Um, you know, Lucha or not Lucha's Purifoy, uh, Chandler Fenner, I think is right. the big one, uh, that the Lions lost. And of course, Adam Big Hill, uh, the Lions simply didn't have enough money under the cap to bring him back. So, um, you know, I, I don't really know, um, you know, why so many of them ended up there, but, uh, I think Ring Maiden was the main reason. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great idea. Great reasoning there. Uh, getting into the matchup this week with the Bombers, uh, I kind of like to go offense, defense, special teams, cover all sides of the ball there. So starting on the offensive side of the balls, talk a little bit about BC's offense, what it's like, and uh, who, which side do you give the edge to in that? Well, right now, I think I give the edge to Winnipeg just because the Lions are still trying to sort sort things out and, and Strevler's playing so well. But, um, you know, with Jarius Jackson coming in, we're seeing a lot of more motion uh, in the Lions offense this year. Um, you know, I'd like to see them run the ball a little more and commit to that a little more because I think when they have done that, Jer- Jeremiah Johnson's been pretty successful. Um, you know, the offensive line is much, much improved. Uh, I think Jonathan Jennings has only been sacked maybe twice maybe three times this year. That's pretty um, good. Yeah, you know, so, I, I, you know, they got some great tackles out there with Figueroa and, and Jovan Olafoye. Uh, Hunter Stewart didn't play last week, and I don't really know the reason why he didn't play. I think he was a late scratch, so he must be a little bit banged up. Uh, Cody Husband in the middle, and David Foucault came to camp in uh, about 20 pounds heavier as well and, and has played well. Um, so, you know, the offensive line's improved. I think the running game can give you a bit of a a two-pronged attack with Jeremiah Johnson. You can sprinkle in Chris Rainey or, or Brandon Rutley if they choose to re- if they choose to dress him. Um, you know, Will Watson's been a nice addition, the Canadian out of UBC. Uh, Brian Burnham needs to get going. Uh, you know, this is a guy that uh, it doesn't even show up in the top receivers list this year, albeit the Lions have only played two games, but you, you got to get more production out of Brian Burnham. And uh, Jonathan Jennings has to, you know, start spreading that ball around and, and start putting up some yards. He's yet to throw a 300-yard game this year, and it's been a while since he's done that in the West. So, uh, you know, I, I would give the edge to the Bombers at this point uh, just because the Lions are still trying to find their way on offense. And, and um, you know, I, I think that's going to take another game or two to do that. Yeah, and you mentioned Brian Burnham. I think if any game he's going to get going, it's going to be this one against the Bombers because... I, I've seen my fair share of Ad Investors Group Field, Brian Burnham, burning the Bombers there. So uh seems to have a bit of a history of playing really well against the team, and perhaps this is the week for him. Yeah, hope so. Um, you mentioned Jonathan Jennings. Uh, had a great rookie year, struggled last season. Coming into this year, I certainly expected him to bounce back this year, and Week one against Montreal, he put a very impressive performance out there. He had a decent game this week against the Eskimos. It doesn't necessarily have the numbers up there, though. What can you make of uh, what he's done so far? And uh, is it just going to take a bit of time? You mentioned Jarius Jackson as offensive coordinator to work out all the kinks here. Yeah, I think that's going to be the main thing. But, uh, you know, coming into the season, my concern with Jonathan Jennings is... um, can he stop turning the ball over? Can he stop making bad decisions? Um, you know, his interception to touchdown ratio was brutal last year. And, you know, he's he's certainly showing signs that he's he's a little more conservative with the ball. He's not taking as, as many chances. You know, they're trying to get the ball out of his hands a lot quicker to, to limit those decisions that he has to make. He's been using his feet a little bit. So I am seeing some good signs from Jonathan Jennings. And, and quite frankly, with, you know, the 300-yard games, everybody talks about that all the time. I don't care if he throws 100 yards as long as the Lions win, right? So Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, I, I I think it's it's a work in progress, and and I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's early enough to uh, or late enough to jump on him uh, right now after you know one decent performance and a bit of a stinker in 
in Edmonton last last week. Um, you know, but I don't blame him for for the offense stalling last week. Like I said, they were put in a lot of second and long situations, uh, either through drop passes, penalties, or or the running game drying up. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he can do against the Bombers in Winnipeg. The Lions are, uh, you know, they haven't been home for three weeks now. So, um, you know, they got to start winning these road games, and uh, hopefully he can he can uh, take another step forward this week. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, if you want to reflect on this past week, uh, I'd say both of these teams certainly didn't have a good week defensively, and that would lead us to believe that we could be in for a high-scoring affair here uh, this Saturday. Do you see that as well, or do you see one side defensively having an edge here? I think you could be right there, and I think with the Lions, the biggest concern is a cornerback. Uh, you know, Marcel Young uh, just got brutally targeted last week and uh you know he was replaced by winston rose i think in the fourth quarter and rose came up with a pick so um wally bono says he'll wait till practices over this week before declaring his starting quarterback but i think that uh you know if if it was my decision i'd already made it and you know marcel young would be sitting on the sidelines watching winston rose start but um, you know, that said, too, the secondary did have a tough game last week, but uh, so did the front seven. I mean, this is supposed to, supposed to be, a, um, you know, a much improved BC Lions front seven. They brought in Gabe Napton. They brought in Odell Willis. Uh, Junior Luke is in his second year, and uh, they also uh, brought in Davon Coleman, who's a, who's a force on the inside. But, uh, you know, they had no answer for C.J. Gable last week, and that concerns me a little bit with Andrew Harris coming at you. Uh, who can not only run it down your throat, he can also catch it out of the backfield. So the Lions front seven has to be a lot better, and that will result in some better success for the secondary as well. Um, you know, right now, I, I'm not sure there's a, a defense uh, based on their last two games that you can give the nod to, but uh, like you said, it could be a high-scoring game. Yeah, not much of a pretty much same thing with the Bombers, exactly what you said for the Lions. I mean, you bring in all these big pieces in the offseason, but you're still trying to figure out you know, how you stop giving up these big yardage games, uh, these big point games. Uh, if you're the Lions, what do you do to exploit this defense? Well, I, you know, you got to you got to get pressure on Chris Revler. And I think that, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's played very well. I've been very impressed with him. And I, I, I just my opinion, but I think it's going to be tough for Matt Nichols to get this team back if Chris Revler keeps playing the way he's yeah. playing, because he, he he gives you more than Matt Nichols. As far as a physicality factor, he's a bigger quarterback. He, he, you know, he can use his feet. He's not afraid to take hits. Um, you know, this guy is uh, looks like the real deal. Now, you know, Jonathan Jennings was considered the real deal two years ago as well. So, uh, you know, there's, as more film comes out on this guy, perhaps teams will have more success in shutting him down and containing him. But, um, you know, I think at this time we've got to get pressure on Chris Strebler and everything. Everything kind of flows from there. And offensively, I think for the Lions, you got to you got to get Jeremiah Johnson going early because I think if you can get the run game going against Bombers defense, maybe they, you know, play a little closer to that and opens up the deep balls. And boy, does Jonathan Jennings have arguably one of the best arms in the league, does he not? Uh, you know, yeah, strength-wise, accuracy-wise, yeah. maybe not, right? Like, Fair uh, enough. <laughs> um, you know, he can he can sure chuck it, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, he's got to start connecting on some of these throws. And he's had some guys drop some balls on him, too. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm not going to put everything on Jonathan Jennings right now. He is making some progress. And as he gets used to this offense and, and the receivers get used to this offense, perhaps things will click a little better. Um, you know, one, one uh, battle I think we should be watching is uh, Solomon Alamamian versus Adam Big Hill in the middle and uh, yeah. you know that's going to be fun to watch um you know 
would still love to have Adam Big Hill here, but I think in today's CFL, uh, you can't have two two American linebackers making that much money on your defense. Well, somehow the Argos have found a way to do it with Bear Woods and Taylor Reed. Granted, Bear Woods being out for the first month or so, but interest to see how that plays out in Toronto as well. Yeah, and the Lions found a way to do it for a few years too. Right. But uh, you know, the criticism there was you know they had too, uh, too much money tied up in those guys, and it maybe cost them some free agents uh, on the offensive line, which which was uh, a problem for a few years there. And Ed Hervey's uh, philosophy is, um, you know, he wants to build a big uh, big line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, you just can't have that type of money tied up in two players in your linebacking core. On the special team side of things, I think it's fair to argue that Chris Rainey is certainly the better uh, return guy than Kevin Fogg or at slash Maurice Leggett. Uh, Ty Long struggled a bit, making only two of four field goals this past week. You've got Justin Medlock for the Bombers, who's always money. Uh, who do you give the edge to special teams-wise? Yeah, you know, I think Kevin Kevin Fogg is a very dangerous returner. And, you know, he, he's uh, he's hurt the Lions as well as Maurice Leggett before. So, um, you know, Chris Rainey's, uh, he had a tough season last year. But I think Jeff Reinbold's come in and, and instituted some new philosophies on, on special teams. And um, we've started to see Chris Rainey be close to breaking, uh, you know, those big runs again. And he's giving the Lions good field position for the most part. Um, you know, he had a couple, uh, I think, in the preseason that were called back on penalties. So um, that's a good sign for the Lions. Um, you know, as far as Ty Long goes, uh, he's usually he's been pretty good lately. And that was a really off week for him last week. Uh, you know, I, I thought he was very good against Montreal. He was very good in the preseason. He leads the league in, in punting, um, punting average. So, um, you know, I, I'm hoping he'll bounce back and shake that off. Uh, you know, that was that was also a a, a pretty big factor in the game last week uh, you know that was five points the Lions right, left on yeah. the board instead of 19 or 14 to it could have been 19 to 2 and and who knows what happens from there but um you know so I, I think the Lions special teams are improved I've been very happy with their their coverage teams this year they haven't really allowed uh, a big run uh, so far this season on on return so um you know I I, I I think it's pretty much even draw I think Kevin Fogg is a is a pretty a pretty good threat as well uh, talking about you know Chris Rainey on the special teams, we saw a guy. We see we've seen a guy in Hamilton, Brandon Banks, who was primarily a special teams guy for a long time in his career, and all of a sudden he's been moved to offense, more of a role. And well, just look at what he did late last year. And now he's one of the best receivers in the game. Will no. we see anything like that with Chris Rainey coming? I know he's started to get a little bit more involved in the offense, but at what point does Chris Rainey become? you know, a focal point of the offense with BC. Yeah, they've they've been playing him more there, like you said, but he just doesn't seem to get the ball that much. And, um, you know, I think that his value right now is more so as a returner because the Lions need that field position. It's very important to get good field position on your returns. And and right now, you know, sometimes they even throw Jeremiah Johnson back there. So, um, I, you know, they've, they've tried to use him in certain packages and things like that with limited success. Um, but when he does get the ball in the open field, he's very dangerous. So I think, you know, that's that's a work in progress as well. And who knows uh, what Jarius Jackson has in mind when in getting him more involved. Um, I'd like to see Brandon Rightly get on the roster too and see what he could do and maybe just leave Rainey back as a returner and, and get Rightly into the lineup and, and see what he could do to spell off Jeremiah Johnson from time to time. Now, Wally Buono making his final visit to Winnipeg as a CFL head coach uh, this Saturday, as this is his final season, and that's been well known. 
Um, have you seen that impact things at all for BC in terms of uh, go out and maybe a little more pressure to win in this final year? Wally's been trying to play that down, um, you know, pretty pretty much since training camp started. Uh, he, he doesn't want to talk about it. He uh, doesn't feel it's a factor. You know, he says, if the players want to win for me, that's fine. But uh, certainly they should want to win for themselves first. And, um, you know, Wally's very confident. Uh, last week in Edmonton, he was asked about being in Commonwealth for the last time. And he, he just told reporters, no, my last time will be here in November. So, uh, you know, and that's the mindset that you got to have. So, um, I don't, I don't think the Lions, I don't think it's an issue right now. I think as the season goes on and as it starts winding down, you'll hear more of that talk. I think the Lions and Wally Wano have more things to worry about than uh, winning it for Wally right now. Uh, they got to find their identity and, and find out what kind of team they have. And, um, you know, I, I don't think winning it for Wally is, is a rallying cry at this point. Keys of the game for both sides here. For the Bombers' side, I think you find a mix of, well, last week they gave up a lot of short plays to try to protect against the deep ball. They're known for giving up the deep ball. Got to find some sort of middle ground there. Uh, in terms of the Lions, what's the number one key to the game this week? Get pressure on a young quarterback. You know, make life miserable for him and and contain Andrew Harris. Obviously, uh, the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers go as Andrew Harris goes, and we saw that last week. He didn't play much of a factor in that game. And even though Stradler played pretty well, Andrew Harris didn't, and, and the result uh, was there. Um, you know, I, I think that's the biggest key. you got to get pressure on this guy and force him into situations that he hasn't seen yet and, and maybe can try and confuse him a little bit and get pressure on the quarterback. So the front seven's got to play much better than they did last week uh, to give the secondary a little help and coverage as well. Uh, offensively, uh, Jonathan Jennings has to play in a very efficient game. Uh, again, they got to get the running game going and, and get Jeremiah Johnson going uh, early, like you said, and um, they got to keep that going because, uh, you know, once that dries up, it, it makes it awful easy for a defense just to pin their ears back and, and, and stop you on second and 10. So um, those are the keys for me. Um, the last couple of years, we've had some very close games between these two, two teams, very exciting games, very fired up games. Um, we can only hope no 61 yard field goals are attempted in this one. Uh, <laughs> but how do you see this game going overall and, uh, who are you picking to win this one? Well, I'm probably going to go with the Bombers because they're at home and because they lost last week. Uh, you know, I think they're, uh, I think they're a little farther along than the Lions are right now. Um, despite having a rookie quarterback, um, you know, I think they, they also play well at investors group field. Um, lately, so I, I think that's going to be an issue uh, as well. I think the Lions uh, are a team that needs to prove something here. If they, you know, if they want to be considered a, a, a contender or a player in the West, they got to start winning road games in the West. It's that simple. I mean, you're not going to make the playoffs in this division by losing uh, your road games against Western opponents. So, like Wally Bono said after the game uh, last week, uh, you know, he's going to find out what kind of team he has. Uh, when you get your butt whoop like that, you expect to come back with a much more inspired performance and and try and make a statement. So I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, you know, but I think the, the right now, at this point in the season, the Bombers might have the edge. We'll see what happens when the Bombers come to BC Place the following week. Yeah, you mentioned them coming to BC Place the following week. It's an interesting thing, the home-and-home matchup, because... If you look back to BC's season last year, uh, the, that home-and-home home with the Riders where they win the big, the first one big time and then they they get blown out, I believe, in the second game there. What do you make of, how do you prepare for the second half of a home-and-home? Home? Well, 
You know, I, I think it depends on the coach, right? I think, um, you know, some coaches may save some stuff for that second game. Some may just go with what they usually go with against any opponent and just see where the cards fall. But, um, you know, I, I think if it was me, um, you know, you, you come in with a package in the first game and, and try and uh, save a little bit for the next game because you don't have a lot of preparation time to turn around and, and analyze film and things like that uh, based off the first game. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it can go two ways, right? Uh, right. Um, as we saw last year in Saskatchewan where the Lions, that was really the turning point of their season when they went yeah. into Regina last year and just got thumped. Uh, I think Jonathan Jennings threw four interceptions in that game or something like that. Yeah, that was that um, game. It was four pick game, wasn't it? Yeah, just a, just a brutal performance by them. And that, and after that, they were never the same football club. So, you know, it, it's, uh. It's it's tough to say how teams prepare for those things, and uh, you know I'm not really a fan of the back to back. I'd like to see them get rid of them, but uh, it is what it is, and I, I think that um, you know it all depends on the coach. Just to quickly get your thoughts on the other games going on this week before we let you go, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats visit Saskatchewan to kick off the week. How do you see that game going? I think Hamilton wins it running away. Uh, I've been so impressed with the Hamilton Tire Cats the last two weeks. Uh, they're firing on all cylinders right now, and Jeremiah Mazzoli is uh, quickly becoming one of the premier, if not the premier, quarterback in the league right now. Um, you know, uh, he's been very efficient. Uh, very, uh, he's spreading the ball around. He, he's when he gets into trouble, he, he can scramble out of it and find open receivers. So. Um, I think at this point in the season, and you know, I, I don't know what Chris Jones is thinking. He's got to get Deron Carter off of defense, and and back onto the offense where he belongs. Uh, I guess they haven't recruited enough DBs in Saskatchewan. And well, uh, they just brought yeah. in a new one today. Apparently, uh, former first round pick of the I think Baltimore Ravens, Matt Elam. Yeah, well, if they want to throw him in week one and and see what he can do, I guess that's that's an option. But uh, I would think they would want to have him practice for uh, at least a week Certainly. before taking the field. But uh, I I think Hamilton wins that one in a row. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that one. Uh, Montreal coming off their first win of the season and snapping a long losing streak. Can they make it two straight as they host the Ottawa Red Blacks? Nope. Um, I think that uh, I think Montreal was the benefactor of a a pretty dysfunctional Riders team right now, and uh, you know I just don't see the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, uh, putting up that same kind of performance. Yeah, I, I think that's fair a fair assumption. Um, and then uh, the Bombers and the Lions play on Saturday, but the first game of that doubleheader, James Franklin's first start in an Argos uniform against his former club, the Edmonton Eskimos. How do you see that game going? Uh, yeah, I, I'd probably have to take the Eskimos, um, just based on, you know, what they've done so far, what the two teams have done so far. Um, I think the, the Argos offense has struggled a little bit. They haven't really gotten on track and Mike Riley is, uh, you know, still the elite quarterback in this league. And he, as he goes, the, the Eskimos go. So, um, unless the Argos can get a lot of pressure on Mike Riley, I don't really see them having much of a chance in this game. That That's very fair. Uh, if you had to pick a game of the week for you this week, which game would it be? Um, I would have to go with the Lions and Bombers just because it's a West matchup and uh, it's an important game for both teams, right? Um, you know, they've got a, like I said, the Lions need to get start getting some wins and, and Winnipeg, I don't think, expected to be where they're, they're sitting at this point in the season. So I think it's an important game for both teams, not only because of uh, the standings, but because they play each other the next week and it kind of sets the tone. Uh, for the following week and of course you know the, the season series will be on the line so points will matter as well 
And we'll leave it at that. Before I let you go here, uh, where can people find your work and where can people find you on social media? Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, at Brian, uh, or sorry, at BC Lions Den on Twitter. Uh, BCLionsDen.ca is our website. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bclionsden.ca and Instagram at bclionsden underscore podcast. And that's podcast with a P-A-W-D-A-S-T. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thanks, Brian, for joining us here on the podcast this week. It's a real pleasure. My pleasure, and welcome to the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Cheers. And that was Brian Warishan of the BC Lions Den Podcast joining me here for our Week 4 preview episode of the Canadian Football Countdown. Huge thank you to Brian for taking the time to join me for that. It's always a pleasure talking with other members of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Well, just to wrap things up here is that's all we have for today. The, our picks for this week, Mike and I go in the same across the board. The Ticats over the Riders, the Red Blacks over the Montreal Alouettes, the Eskimos over the Toronto Argonauts, and then the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the BC Lions is who we have this week. Again, uh, just to wrap things up, if you haven't already done so, check out our Week 3 recap episode of the podcast that uh, Mike and I recorded. It should be out. Uh, well, it is out on all of our podcast feeds already, so make sure to check that out on Google Play, SoundCloud, or iTunes. We are still working on getting on some other podcast platforms here, namely uh, Stitcher. There's been a request for that. So we are still working on that here yet as well. Uh, so check out that episode of the podcast. Look forward to this coming week. We will once again have be back regular times. Um, week 4 recap. That will be live on Mike FM Winnipeg Tuesday night this coming week. Uh, and then our week 5 preview show coming out Wednesday morning. And that week 4 recap will be out Tuesday night on the podcast feeds. So look forward to those. Make sure you check out our website at mikefmwinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. That, that last part's all hyphenated, so the-canadian-football-countdown. Uh, and make sure you check out us on Twitter, at CFC on MikeFM, and at CF Pod Network on Twitter as well for all of the great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows. That does it for this episode here. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope m me by myself was not too dull and boring to listen to. Uh, Mike will be back next week uh, for the, both episodes, and I can promise you that. So thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy all of this week's games. Hope everyone had a wonderful Canada Day weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye.